Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Here we are, big battle, tremendous victory. Wow, we won, we did it, way to go God. We're through with the enemy. No more problems in my home. No more problems at church. Everything's smooth sailing. What's coming next? Here comes the enemy. Same enemy. Well, I thought we got rid of that in Jesus' name. No, that's what life's about. One of the greatest dangers is at a place of victory that we kick back and relax. When you've been enjoying God's blessings for a long time, you become comfortable in that peace. The Lord desires that peace and security for us, but we also have to be vigilant. It's easy to slip back into old habits when we think we've already conquered them. But the enemy is always waiting. The Word is a guard for our hearts, deflecting the attacks that come day after day. As we'll hear today, just when David thinks the battle is over, the enemy comes back for a second time. If you turn away from the Word after you've overcome something, you'll be open to destruction. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 13, verse 13, with today's study. try to say as much as we can to our kids without being controlling. You don't want to go down that road. Mom and dad have been down that road. It is not a good road to go down. Sometimes it doesn't get through. Much of the things we learn, we learn the hard way, don't we? We just rebel. And so we have to remember there's God's grace, and you'll see that as we go through. So David doesn't get a response, but look at verse 13. He did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Was that a wise move? That's a very wise move. Instead, he took it aside, and I don't even know how they carried it, to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom. You think Obed was a little concerned when the ark came into his house? (laughs) Thank you very much, David. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. But look what happens. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. Wow. You say, man, the presence of God in my house for three months. How about the presence of God in your heart forever? That's who we are tonight. Disobedience often brings delay in God's blessing. You see, what happened was that David couldn't take the city, couldn't take the ark back to the city. We'll see when we pick up from here. What happens? It takes three months to get things in order. But during these times, you see that obeying God brings God's blessing. In this house of a Levite, God just blesses them. I want the presence of God not only in my body, But I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to sense the presence of God in our homes. You know, when people walk into our homes, 
It should be a place of peace and happiness and joy. They ought to be able to sense the presence of God as they come in. That's a wonderful thing. You see, people are looking for peace. Where of any place should it be but in the home of a Christian? That's where God's presence should rule and it should reign. Now see, what was happening here when that ark came there, remember God's presence was to represent that, and that just meant that God was being placed first in that home. Is God first in your literal home? Is his will being done in your home? Is it a place of peace? Are you as a husband and wife arguing and fussing? And, or is God's peace rule there? We know Satan comes against the home, but let his peace rule there. God desires to be first in the center of every area of our life. You remember, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto us. Now, chapter 14 brings us a little bit about David's palace. Now, Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David along with cedar logs. Cedar in those days was a a very highly prized wood. I like the smell of cedar. I don't know if you do. It's kind of a neat wood. And stonemasons and carpenters to build a palace for him. So David, during this time, now he's making some interesting political allies. Verse 2, really a neat verse. And David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that his kingdom had been highly exalted for the sake of his people, Israel. Here in chapter 14, we see God again is blessing and prospering David. His fame is spreading. He's getting political allies. People are saying, man, this guy is really awesome. How can that be when David just blew it big time? He can't even bring the ark back. How, how come God's treating him like this? It's called grace. Undeserved favor. Shouldn't be treating him like this. I really don't understand God and grace. But I love it. Do you? I mean, why is this happening? But God's blessing him. Remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2? You then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. That's hard for us. Because we're raised in a world that's pretty legalistic. We're rewarded for good and we're punished for bad. But here, for what reason, I don't know. God blesses them. If you're going to err tonight, err in the sight of grace. We can't be people of the law. The law never worked. You can't be legalistic people. It just kills. The law came by Moses, but grace and mercy and truth by who? Jesus Christ. So it goes against my nature. It doesn't mean we let heresy and things like that here. But when people blow it, remember, our goal is to restore them. Set them right. Get them headed in the right direction. Encourage them. Don't step on them when they're down. Encourage them. Get them set back right. Don't sit and dwell in the past. God just takes us and moves forward. I'm so glad that God has grace for us. Now remember, verse 1 has another important thing. It says that David knew he was in the center of God's will. 
That's one of the most important things in all of our life. It's a wonderful thing that you could say right what you're doing, whatever you're doing right now. I'm in the center of God's will. It's happening in my life. I'm doing what God wants me to do. Remember, Jesus said in John 6, 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him that sent me. God has a plan for your life just like he has a plan for my life. The thing you want to not focus on is somebody else. The thing you want to focus on is, are you in the center of God's will? If you're anyplace else, you don't want to be there. You get right back to what God wants you to do. And I'm going to give you some keys to what that is. See, God's plan for us is good. And you just, you just be assured, even though David had blown it, he knew he was where he was supposed to be because God put him there. What are some of the keys to God's will? Let me just give you four of them quickly so you can just look at it. When you're praying about God's will, there's four things to look at. Number one, are you obeying the word of God? Don't ask for God's will if you're out of the will of God. You will be if you're not obeying his word. Number two, are you waiting for God's timing? See, God has a timing. David waited many years. Number three, are you enjoying God's peace and joy? If you're in the will of God, no matter what the circumstances, there's an underlying peace. And there's an underlying joy. Remember, peace and joy are not related to circumstances. Paul and Silas beaten singing. Stephen being stoned. He was in the right place at the right time. To us, it looks wrong. Young guy, tremendous evangelist, taken at a young age. What a waste! From our viewpoint, not from God's. And lastly, the things that you're doing, the things that you're considering with, with God's glory that you're doing in the will of God, are you doing it for God's glory? Are you doing it for God's glory? You say, well, can I buy a house for God's glory? Well, absolutely. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Don't isolate God to some religious deal. He's part of all of our lives. If those things aren't happening, you better back up and wait. You better ask again. You better head off. Being in the center of God's will is absolutely important, but there's another important part. We have to maintain ourselves in the center of God's will. We have to continue to abide by obeying God. We have to be fruitful in our life. We have to understand Him. We have to stay with Him. And that's what you're doing tonight. You're listening to the Word. You're staying there. You see, there's course corrections all the time in our life. How did I ever think At the age of 49 or whatever, God would make a U-turn and move me totally the other direction. But that's what God did. God had been preparing me. I knew finally it was the right time. Same exact in your life, in every area of your life. I think of many times when I was director at Wistoff. We formed a, way back early on, we had one of the first computers that was designed in hospital pharmacy in the whole world. And had a chance to go with that and move some other stuff and whatever, and it just didn't seem right. Other opportunities, God could have moved me to other places. And for whatever reason, I just stayed in good old downtown Rockledge. Did God know? Sure he knew. He knows in your life. It's not a matter about us. It's always a matter about God. Live 24-7 for God. Don't compartmentalize your life. It's all God's. 
God is not stingy with us. He loves us. Remember John 10.10, somebody said it like this, I've come that you might have life and have it spilling out of every pore. May it spill out of your life. Verse 3, in Jerusalem, David took more wives and became the father of more sons and daughters. We go from blowing it to God's blessing back to what? Now, what's happening here? Deuteronomy 17, listen to this. 17, 17 says this. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So what happens? In those days, especially in that Mideastern royalty kind of deal, a king was expected to have many wives and concubines. What was David doing? He was allowing the world to squeeze him into its mold. This isn't pleasing God. He's going against a command of God's. He was sinning. He was gaining in political power with man, but he was losing with God. You remember what we sow, we will reap. You could take these different wives and you could take the children from those wives and you could find the outcome of those children. From one of the wives, Amnon, David's firstborn, he raped his half-sister, Tamar, later was murdered by Absalom. And I could go on, I don't have time, and on, and on. You say, well, how come God didn't stop it? Remember what we told you? God, the greatest gift we have from God is free will. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. He allowed David to continue to put himself. When we go through the book of Proverbs, you'll see some interesting things from Solomon, who is one of David's sons. What is Solomon's downfall? Very same thing, the downfall of his father. Dangerous thing. Dangerous thing. You can't get trapped into Satan's mold and expect to live for God. David was trapped by peer pressure from other royalty. Instead of following God, he followed man. Verse 4 through 7, give you the names of the kids. Let's head on to verse 8. Now, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, remember, they're the enemies, they went up in full force to search for him. In other words, they're going to try to destroy him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now, the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephraim. And when they came there, what happens? Why the Philistines who kind of backed off, why are they coming again? It's because of spiritual warfare. We're reminded here that when you put God in first place, you can expect spiritual warfare. So you say, well, I'm going to leave God in third place. I don't really want that. No, that's not good. Now you have God against you also. Who would you rather have against you, God or Satan? I'll take Satan against me with God on my side. And this is what happens. So here they come again. Remember, that's that prayer of Jabez. God, you expand my borders. That's exactly what David did. And the last part of that prayer is, keep the evil from me. In other words, can I overcome this enemy? Verse 10, very smart move. So David did what? Inquired or asked who? He learned. That's a good thing. 
Are you teachable? He said, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you, will you hand them over to me? And the Lord answered him, go, I will hand them over to you. I think this is great. David is learning. He's gone to God. He asked a very specific question. How did God answer him? Very specific. We can know the will of God. In your life, when you're praying for something specific, God will give you that answer in his timing. It might be no, it might be wait, or he might say, go for it. Verse 10, the Lord answered him, again, I will hand them over to you. Who's handing who to David? Who's doing the real battling? God is. Don't think that you're doing it. It's God. The battle is the Lord's. But how often are we out there? Now, we have to be part of it, but the battle is God. It's not ours. Verse 11. So David and his men went up to Baal, Perizim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal, Perizim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there. They hadn't learned from Dagon. And David gave orders to burn them in the fire. I love it. The enemy ran and left their useless idols. Let me just say this to you tonight. Do you know too often as Christians, we run from Satan. Let's put Satan on the run tonight. We have God within us. We don't have to be afraid of that. No, I'm not talking about temptation. When temptation comes, sometimes you have to run. But there's no reason to run from Satan. I mean, who are the victors tonight? We are. We have the power of God. We can come against the enemy tonight in the name of Jesus. We don't have to run Be afraid of the enemy? Why are you afraid of the enemy tonight? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, you don't go in your own strength, but David went out. And I believe when we come to those areas, you have to discern them by the Spirit. We don't need to run. We can attack. Praise God. We have wonderful warfare. The Word of God. The Holy Spirit living in us in prayer. Remember, prayer is always the deciding factor in spiritual warfare. Now look at verse 13. Interesting verse. Once more the Philistines raided the valley. Well, what does that mean? They were just defeated. Why did they come back? Because that's exactly the way Satan is. Do you remember 1 Peter 5.8? Be alert, controlled. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do you know what happens? Here we are. Big battle. Tremendous victory. Wow, we won. We did it. Way to go, God. We're through with the enemy. No more problems in my home. No more problems in church. Everything's smooth sailing. What's coming next? Here comes the enemy. Same enemy. Well, I thought we got rid of that in Jesus' name. No, that's what life's about. One of the greatest dangers is at a place of victory that we kick back and relax. There is no room to relax. By the way, the enemy hasn't given up. He's stupid enough to keep trying. I mean, he's already been defeated. He just doesn't get it yet. But he keeps trying. That's a danger of this church. We've been enjoying God's blessings for a long time. People coming to the Lord incredibly. My folks, don't relax. We're still in the same battle. And the only reason we're winning is not us. God. So we can't kick back. You don't have to be afraid. But we have to remember, 
We're still in a battle. Don't let this become a place of dead religion. When you come to service, when you worship, when we're given the altar calls, you're doing the battle still. People's lives are on the line. Don't get accustomed just to people coming and think it's because of us. It has nothing to do with us. It's the Lord. Here we see David saying, "Uh uh-oh, they're back again. Verse 14. So David just did what he did the first time. He inquired of God again. Was that good? That was great. And God answered him and said this, Do not go straight up, but circle around them and thank them in front of the balsam trees. Two important principles there tonight quickly. Number one, God's ways are not man's ways. And number two, you cannot put God into a box. Now be honest, David, and maybe you and I, would look at that situation and say, well, the Philistines are back. We just finished defeating them. This is a no-brainer. Come on, boys. We're going up to take care of these guys again. Same battle plan. What does God say? He says, no, you're going to have to have a different battle plan. You see, we have to become very careful, and I have to challenge my own self this way. God isn't interested in robots. Every service is different. I have the same word, but I have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And there's a danger in your life. Well, God, I know how to handle this situation. I've handled it before. I don't need you right now. Everything's fine. No, God may want you to use a whole different battle plan. So we have to hear from God. Now, why do we have to hear from God? Because God is not interested in just a robot doing... Mm, 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 mm. No, he, he wants an intimate time with you and me. In your family, in your quiet time. That's what God wants. Prayer is simply a two-way conversation with God. Verse 15, as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, David, you move out to battle. Because that will mean that God, praise God, that God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. Do you want God in front of us? Man, when I get here in the pulpit, I don't want to go out in front. I want God in front of me. That's what he said. Verse 16, so David did as God commanded. And they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. The key to a successful spiritual life is to discover God's plan and just put it into action. You discover it through prayer, and then you just work it. And God will go before you. Verse 17, so David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. God put David in his king. God gave David the necessary plans for a successful battle. And God blessed the people through David. A man that carried the ark wrong and continued to add wives against God. Wow. The reason? Grace. And it's the Lord. It's just the Lord. Our success is always, it's the Lord. Say it with me, it's the Lord. Say it again, it's the Lord. In your life, the success for your life, it's the Lord. It's not us, it's God. When we have overcome the enemy in a specific area of our lives, we can't get complacent. That was the message today as we heard about David's victory, then his sinful behavior not long after. We can be confident that God gives us strength to fight the battles with our flesh, but we have to remember it's not us that claims victory, it's God. 
The enemy keeps coming. We have to wait and obey the Lord and give the Lord glory. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll hear about how God is always open to giving us second chances. We'll see how David recognizes his mistakes and learns from them. Examining all areas of our lives against the Word is the only way to ensure we're on the right path. Like David, we'll hear about how important it is to reflect on our actions, both big and small. Then we will learn and move ahead. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer. Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.